0: such a cool thing. You know, I love the church. I love the house of God. This place is my home. I mean, I say this often, but I am a local church girl. I love to be around you guys. I love to get in the presence of God. I love worship. I love what this place represents. I love that every single weekend my attitude and perspective is challenged on a real level anybody else You come in with a bad attitude, and if you're open to the presence of God, that's gonna shift in the presence of God, right? I love that I can bring my kids to the house of God and hear the things I'm trying to teach them and enforce, that I have a kids team and a youth team that is here to reinforce those godly principles in their lives. It's in this house my kids can be exposed to the presence of God. You cannot put a price tag on what happens in this building every single weekend. I love the house of God. I have a heart for this place. I love the diversity of the house. I love that I have some of my best friends are in this house. I love the diversity of age. I love that there's young and there's old. I love that there's rich and then the not so rich. I love all the different types of people coming together to make up the family of God. Such a cool thing. Some of my best friends are 15, 20 years older than me, and then some of my other best friends are 15 or 20 years younger than me. It's a beautiful thing. We have this commonality. We're a part of a household of faith. The Bible likens the church to a household. In Ephesians chapter two, and it's our citizen church verse. It's where we get the name of our church. I'm gonna read that this morning. Ephesians chapter two says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. This is a household. When I say household or family, I'm sure a lot is going through your minds right now. When I think of family or a household, I think of comfort and warmth. And I also understand that households are complicated, a little messy, right? I mean, family is hard work. Family are those people that can make you laugh like no other, like you catch their eye in a time where you're not supposed to laugh, and then you catch their eye, you're done. Like, I should not be laughing right now, but I. you know what I'm talking about? That's, that's that family connection. But also, you can laugh harder than ever and one hour later they trigger you like none other and you wanna punch them, right? That's family. (laughs) Messy, but beautiful, complicated. It's hard work, but it's worth it. That's the household. That's why God likens the church to a household. All these different types of people with different backgrounds, ages, all of these different types of people coming together but with the commonality, we're family. We're part of the family of God. I love the church. Let's look at some famous families, because here's the truth. A household or family is known by the characteristics of its members. Your family is known for something. My family is known for something. It's known by the characteristics of its members. Some famous families here. Let's look at the Manning family. I know, I think everybody just wants to say, ah. So one, two, three, uh, Don't you like them? I just like those guys. I mean, they never played for the Cowboys, but it's okay, I still like them. And I love Peyton Manning, what a class act. I just think he's a cool guy, I don't know. Don't tell me any different. If he's not, I don't wanna know. <laughs> but I love them. What are they known for? Football, the quarterbacks, they're awesome. The next family, the Jackson family. The Jackson Five. What are they known for? Music. You've Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson, the whole crew. Man, they are so so talented. What a family! The talent that pours out of them. That's what they're known for. Let's look at the next family, the Kardashians. What are they known for? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. They're very very. They're known for their style, their um, fashion. They're known for, like, they, they just talk like this, so, <laughs> Courtney, I don't know. <laughs> they want you to believe that they're, like, they kinda want you to believe that they're like, uh, not that they're not smart, but they, unassuming, but these girls, they're smart. They are smart business women. They know how to bring in the money, right? What are they known for? Drama style, fashion. What about this house? What are we known for? I'm talking about the house, Citizen Church, this house. When someone says Citizen Church in the community, what do they think of when we say this house? Are we known for generosity and love, compassion, integrity? We hold tightly to the word of God. We have conviction in our hearts. What are we known for? Let it be said that we're known for the right things because a household is identified by the characteristics of its members. And if we want to be building something that will last and have a legacy, we have got to build a house with wisdom and intention. The house we are building individually and corporately, we have to build with wisdom and intention. This can't be something that we're cutting corners on. Details matter. Dustin looked at a scripture last week, I'm gonna look at it again, Matthew seven twenty-four through 27. Jesus is teaching a parable about the wise builder and the foolish builder. Two guys set out to build a house, one does it the right way and one does not. Let's look at it together. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows, it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand and when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I'm talking about building a house with legacy, with wisdom and intention. I have two declarations of this house. I'm gonna go over two of them. The first declaration of this house is this. We will build with the storm in mind. The house we are building, we build with the storm in mind. As we're building our house, we understand that the rain comes to the foolish and the wise. Every single person who has ever lived and will ever live is going to face storms in your life, The rain falls on the just and the unjust. We live in a fallen world. There's going to be storms that come your way, but have you built your house in light of the storm? Are you ready when the storm comes, when you get the diagnosis you weren't expecting, when your family falls apart, when your husband walks away, when your finances are in a mess, What do you do and have you built a house that can last in the storm? We've gotta build with the storm in mind. And here's the truth that I want you to grasp and that is this, what you build, you have to live in. The house that you build, sorry to tell you, that's the house you have to live in. That's sobering, isn't it? The house you build the intention that you build your life with, the way you parent your children, the intention of I'm not gonna cut corners but I'm gonna do the hard things. I'm gonna take the steps necessary to get them in the house of God. I'm going to instill in them the right things. I'm gonna live with the word of God firmly planted under my feet. If you build that kind of house, that's the house I wanna live in. But if you cut corners, you say oh that's not important then that's the house you will also have to live in. And you've gotta build with the storm in mind. A couple of years ago, Dustin and I built a house, and we did not build a house. Someone built a house for us, but it was really fun to be a part of it. And you know, at the beginning of building a house, it's like super boring because you don't see anything happening. You're like, oh, it's so frustrating, but when they finally poured the foundation of our house, we were so excited, we're like, woo! It's happened to people, so we're so excited. So I had this idea that I wanted to get my kids, Dustin, all of us together. We're going to go um, to our to the foundation, and we were going to write scriptures on the foundation of what we wanted uh, our house to be built on spiritually. And so they all show up, and I have a playlist. I'm like, "This is the house of miracles," and I'm just filling it, you know. And and they're all. I'd give them the scriptures, things like in the entryway. As for me, in this house, we will serve the Lord. They will be blessed when they come in and as they go out. In our living room, we wrote the scripture, you will fill our mouths with laughter again. Like, Lord, let this be a house of laughter, of hospitality, in every room we're writing these scriptures, and I forgot to say to them, guys, don't write anything in the garage because we're not putting flooring down, and I don't want your markers all over the garage, so don't write in there, and just when I'm thinking this, I turn around, and of course, Aiden is writing, not a scripture, but his name. A-I. I I said, Aiden, stop. So every single time I walk into the garage, I see A-I on the floor. What you build, you've got to live in. The house that you're building, the house you're constructing is the house that you've got to live in. So you better build with wisdom. You better build with intention because the storms of life are coming and you've got to be prepared. I want to be ready. I want to have a firm foundation under my feet and that foundation is the word of God. Psalm chapter 19 says this, the testimony of the Lord is sure. It's a sure thing. It's stable. The testimony of the Lord is sure what making wise the simple. The simple become wise because of the testimony of the Lord. I love the translation of the word simple in this passage. It is pethy, meaning an open door. So come on, roll with me here. An open door, a simple-minded person is someone where their mind is open to everything. Now, I know this is a culture that celebrates having an open mind, and to a certain extent that's a good thing. But to an extreme and to our detriment, we often wanna have this open mind. I wanna be open to whatever. Whatever culture, saying, whatever theology comes my way, I'm just gonna be open to everything. But a wise person says, no, I know what to keep in and what to keep out. I have a door over my spirit, over my mind and my heart, and I am set if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, I'm not letting it in. The word of God, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I wanna be wise in my building. So the thing that the wise and the foolish, what separates them is, you know, the foolish and the wise men both have a vision of building a house. They both hear the word of God. But the wise man says, I hear the word of God. I listen to it, I submit to it and then I apply it. The foolish man says, I hear the word of God, but I'm just gonna put that to the side because I don't know if application is that important. If you want to build a house that will stand through the storm, you've gotta say, Lord, I will hear your word. I receive it, I submit to it, and I apply your word to my life. I am building my house with wisdom and intention. We will build with the storm in mind. That's who we are. We are a church that is built on the foundation of the word of God. We have deep conviction in our heart. We have deep conviction in our heart. Whatever he says we're gonna do, we're gonna listen and we're going to obey. That's who we are. That's a declaration of this house of this house, the next one is this, we will build with the future in mind. We're gonna build with the future in mind the wise man, he was not just concerned with his dwelling, the years he would live in the house, but he was building with stability and longevity in mind. He was thinking about those who would live in the house after him. That's the kind of house he was building. He had deep compassion, on the next generation. I'm not gonna build a house that's gonna crumble. I've got my children and my grandchildren coming along. So I have to build with the future in mind. The wise men said, no, I have longevity in my mind and in my heart. And I'm gonna build with the future in mind. That's what the wise men said. You know, this church, one of our core values is we give our best to the next generation. And that is something that we do. And it's, you know, it's more than just our finances that we give to the next generation. It's more than putting on Youth Camp, Summer Bash, great programs for them. When we make a commitment, it goes further than that. We don't just give our money, we don't just send our kids to camp, but we're committed to giving ourselves to the next generation. We personally invest in the next generation. That is who we are, that is what we do. We understand if we're building with the future in mind, we have to personally invest. Look them in the eye and say, I see you. I see what God is doing in you, and I believe that you can do great things for God. You're a man of God, you're a woman of God. We invest in the next generation. Why, because we build with the future in mind. We're not building just for ourselves. You know, this church is for you. This church is for you, but it's not just for you. This church, it's for me. I come in and I enjoy the presence of God and I learn something every single week. I love this church. It's for me, but it's not just for me. It's for my children and it's for their children. It's for generation after generation after generation. So it matters how we build this house. It matters! What we do when we're building, we build with wisdom and intention and understanding this is not just for me. It's for me, but it's not just for me. So why invest in the next generation? I just wrote down a few, a few thoughts. Why invest in the next generation? First of all is this. We invest in the next generation because someone invested in us when we needed them. Someone invested in you one time. We can all think back to conversations we had with mentors, pastors, coaches, leaders, parents, grandparents, who spoke into your life and changed your life just with the words that they spoke. When they would call out of you purpose, they would see things in you that you did not see in yourself. You know what I'm talking about. I've had this happen so many times in my life, many times, I have a teacher say, I believe in you, You can do this. Youth leaders, I believe you can do this when I didn't believe I could. I've had people tell me I was playing keys for a lot of years on worship team and I was comfortable kind of hiding back there. And one Sunday, uh, someone couldn't show up. I can't remember, but they shifted it and I led worship front and center. Someone else is on the keyboard and scared me to death. I was, ah, you know, and a pastor came up to me afterwards, and he spoke over my life and said, you should not be on the keyboard. You need to lead worship. There is an anointing on your life to lead people into the presence of God, and he spoke that over me. I mean, when that was spoken over me, it was powerful, and I believed it. If you speak over the next generation, I would say nine times out of 10, they're gonna believe you. Call out of them the potential that is in them. Speak life over them. It is worth the investment. It is worth the investment. I had pastors come and visit our church and he would say, there's a preacher in you. And I was like, no there ain't. <laughs> I do not wanna do that. I will sing, I will never preach. And then of course, God just knows how to make a liar out of us, right? But so many people have invested in me, over the years, I know the same for you. If someone has invested in you and spoken life over you, it is time for you to do the same. You've gotta invest in the next generation and build with the future in mind. The next one is this. We have a lot to teach them and they have a lot to teach us. You better believe you have a lot to teach the next generation. Sometimes we underestimate that. We think they don't wanna hear what I have to hear. They don't think I'm cool. They don't. They don't wanna hear what I have to tell them, but I really do believe that they wanna hear what you have to say more than you think, and you have so much to teach them. Here's how you follow Jesus. Here's how you pray. Here's how you study the Bible. Let me show you what I do. Let me show you how I I highlight things or the books that I've read that's encouraged me. Let me show you how to raise a godly family. I know maybe you don't have a godly father to look to, but can I step in and just show you, here's how you do this. I know maybe you grew up without a mom in the home, but let me step in and I'll just be that for you. I'll kick your butt sometimes. I'll do that for you. I think they wanna hear from you more than you think. You have so much to teach the next generation. But on the flip side, They have so much to teach us. Teenagers, young adults have so much to teach us. They know so much more about culture. They know so much more about what is going on in the world. And if we're willing to listen, I think that's the key. If we're willing to humble ourselves and listen, that's gonna be the difference maker for longevity in the kingdom of God. Are you willing to hear them out? Or are you so set in your ways that you're and so prideful that you can't hear what they have to say? Lord, let us walk in humility toward one another. Let us walk in humility saying, I'm going to humble myself. And if they want to speak something into my life, I'm going to receive that. Because I want to see the next generation come to know Jesus. I want them to know him like I know him. And so I'm willing to listen. Yes, we have a lot to teach them. They have a whole lot to teach us. And lastly this, it keeps the mission of the church fresh and alive in us. There is nothing like watching the next generation not just mimic you, but actually grab a hold of faith for themselves, nothing like it. When you see your children or your grandchildren grab a hold of faith for themselves, they know how to pray, they know how to touch heaven, They know how to lay hands on the sick and believe for healing. They know how to connect with people in ministry when they get it for themselves. There is nothing that will just keep the mission of the church alive in you like that. In August of this year, we took a trip to, I did not take a trip, our church sent a team to Mexico on a missions trip and Dustin was able to go but it was a highlight of his life because a bunch of teenagers went with him and he called me almost every day saying, this is the joy of my life, watching the teenagers in our church. My son Aiden was on the trip, he's the blonde with the sunglasses there, and his friend Gael with the hat. I wanna talk about Gael because Dustin called me and said, Mandy, Gael just prayed over, some, over someone and it wasn't just a, a little like want want prayer. This was a powerful anointed prayer. He prayed over them. He said he was like a little preacher. Gael has faith for himself. It's not just something that his mom and dad does. No, he knows the Lord for himself. Nash down here, who was building, his mom and dad are incredible people in our church, and his dad is a builder. They go into a house church, and there's nowhere for people to sit. And so Nash, like father, like son, can't handle it. And he says, Where's the Home Depot? So he goes to their equivalent of Home Depot and he pulls out his own credit card. He buys the materials, he builds the benches for them to sit on and they're beautiful. I'm talking about a next generation who have caught this for themselves. A spirit of generosity, a spirit of ministry is all over them. These people, they're incredible and I believe that the best is yet to come for this generation. It'll keep the mission of the church alive in you if you invest in the next generation. The investment is great, but the return is so much greater. So much greater. The return on the investment, and you don't wanna miss out on that. It'll keep this thing alive in you. It'll keep your faith fresh. And that's what we all need. Psalm 100, David is writing this psalm and he's talking about entering the house of God with thanksgiving, but as I was reading this this week, I was thinking, I wonder what he was observing when he's writing this in the house of God. What was he observing? It seems to me he was observing this generational blessing because he writes this, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, here it is, and his truth endures to all generations. Do you want thankfulness and joy to swell up in your heart? You need to observe the next generation. Invest in them and then observe what God does through them. Your minds will not be able to comprehend what God can do if you will just invest in the next generation. You know, our church is 92 years old. 92 years of legacy. There is no way that we would all be sitting here right now if throughout all of those decades, there were people who had this kind of mentality. We build with the future in mind. No, it's not common to have this kind of legacy. 92 years? And every single one of you right now, you are sitting in the blessing of someone's yes to invest in the next generation. You are absorbing the blessing of God that someone said, yes, I will do this. I will invest in the next generation. I will pour into them because it matters. And right now, you would not be sitting here right now if it wasn't for their yes. So God is calling all of us to say the exact same yes. We will not sit in our sour place, but we will pour out into the next generation. I wanna love and lead and pour into them because it matters, it matters. Psalm 78 says this, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children, so each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. We are called to invest in the next generation. That is one of the reasons why the anchor project this year for Heart for the House is Foundations Preschool. I love the name of it, I told the last service We threw out a million names, none of them felt right. And it was like Dustin, this was placed in his heart and as soon as he said it, the whole team went, yes, that is it. Why, because we believe that this preschool is gonna give children a foundation. What does the Bible say? Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're older, they won't depart from it. They will always have those scriptures and foundational truths in their heart. So we're so, so excited about this. This is starting um, this next year, and so our anchor project for Heart for the House is this. It's something worth, worth investing in. Every single week, we're gonna talk about a new initiative. I just wanted to mention that in case you weren't able to be here last week. But the initiative that I wanna share with you today is so in line with this, the heart to invest in the next generation. And you know, part of our vision statement says restoring hope and purpose to every person, not every adult, every person. We have a, a deep conviction that children have a purpose and a destiny on their lives, and we're committed to raising up men and women of God in this house by investing in, in children. So I wanna invite you to take a look at an interview um, that Dustin had with an incredible, incredible family in our church, and I know it's gonna stir your heart this morning.
1: So today, I'm sitting here with Tyler and Marley Davis, an amazing couple in our church. And uh, we had the opportunity to meet uh, in my office. They met with Mandy and I a few months ago and got to share a story about something that God is doing in their lives and um, a calling that they really feel like God is is asking them to do. So um, I just wanted to kind of throw this over to you guys. And and, um, we're in this series right now and and talking about um, these endeavors that our church wants to be a part of. And after that meeting in my office, uh, you guys left and Mandy and I started talking and we just felt like this is something our church needs to invest in, we want to invest in. Share a little bit of of your story and uh, kind of what has led us up to this moment.
2: Yeah. Um, so some people might recognize us, I think, from our previous story of growing our family through fertility treatments. Um, and that's kind of what's led us now to this new chapter. We'd love to continue to grow our family. Mm-hmm. We feel very passionate about giving our son, Knox, a sibling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, I would say, quickly tried to have more children, um, but not to our surprise, we- did not have more children. Um, We went back to fertility treatments, which also failed. We lost our sixth child in April of this year through fertility treatments. Um, And I think that seemed to be the first time that we actually paused um, to figure out what felt right for what we needed to do next, um, because we truly didn't know. doing a sixth round of IVF felt very daunting to us. Um, And it was not something we were just super quick to pull out our credit card for. Like it felt like we were in the past. Um, So it just felt like we took a lot more time to just let God move and speak to us and see what we were supposed to do because we really didn't know.
1: Yeah. So when you're asking God to speak to you, that's a a very big uh, moment. I mean, that's a lot you guys have gone through. Um, and it's it's a it's a very big, daunting thing, like you said. So when you were thinking about praying about this, this led you to a certain day where you felt like God was leading you a different direction. What what happened there?
3: Yeah, so on one Sunday night after church, um, Marley just looked at me and she just said, I need to talk to you. And I'm like, Okay. And she just Started crying and poured out her heart, saying that God really put adoption on her heart and felt that this is something that we should do to grow our family. And in that instance, my heart changed and I was 100% in of saying yes. Um, For our journey to get Knox, our son, and just the IVF journey we've been on, adoption wasn't on the table. It wasn't something we really wanted to do. It was pretty much a hard no, Um, but in that moment, God spoke to her in that church service, and she shared it with me, and like when she poured her heart out, my heart instantly changed and was like, yes, let's do this. This is something we want to do. We feel God calling us to do this, Um, and even after that, when we kind of went in on this, like we're going to do this adoption journey, um, a couple weeks later, I had a dream that God spoke to me, and um, told me that God's going to grow our family. And so kind of through that, the dream and the conversation we had, we knew that this is what we're supposed to do and what God wants us to
1: do. And it's mm-hmm. led us to where we are right now. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there might be people here today that are in a similar mm-hmm. um, situation and they're praying about what to do next. When you, um, Marley, when you said that you felt like God spoke to you and was leading you toward this, what was that moment like maybe walk people through how you felt like you heard God's leading on that.
2: Yeah. I think to add a little bit to the, the history of, of this, but we've obviously dealt with infertility for so long. So adoption was always a part of a conversation, but it was always a pretty hard no, mm-hmm. um, for, it just seemed too hard huge deal. It seemed too difficult. There was way too much involved. Didn't know how we would ever even afford something like that. So why entertain it? Um, And it just wasn't something that like seemed right for us and for our family. Um, And so then again, I think as we're trying to open our hearts in this season of pause and wait and don't respond right away, but just sit in kind of the moment we were in of figuring out what to do next. I truly don't know. I don't have a solution. It was just within worship one Sunday that... I just felt like God was calling me to completely open my heart, open our wallets, open everything we had to however he wanted to grow our family and specifically placing adoption into that picture, into my heart of like, this is one way that God is going to want to grow your family. Um, And so it didn't even it didn't even become a plan B of like, okay well, fertility treatments didn't work. So now we're going to just do this. Mm -hmm. Um, It literally just merged with our plan A of we have to do this. This is what we're being called to do um, to grow our family because we're being open to this. And this is what God is leading us to do. Mm -hmm. So um, I think for me, that was the most shocking of our hearts were completely pretty closed off to Mm -hmm. it to then within that service, within that moment, um, I never talk Sunday nights to Tyler crying on the couch. <laughs> so that alone should be an indicator that yeah, like the spirit moved. And well,
1: adoption is such a huge deal. It can't be a good idea. It has to be a God idea. Mm-hmm. It can't be someone just walking down the street one day saying we should do this. Mm-hmm. It, has, it has to be a God thing because you're, you're yeah. genuinely and, and literally blending a family um, and, and I really feel like that needs to be something God's leading. And that's what's so amazing from the moment you guys shared this story. Um, we just really knew and you guys know this is, this is a God thing. So from that moment, um, when you guys finally got to the place of, okay, we, we feel like this is God, what happens next? What, what happened and kind of lead, up, lead us up to where we are now. Yeah.
2: We told our parents like immediately, like yeah. the next day. Um, again, I think we were just so sure in it from that moment on. Um, so we looped in our family that this is what we felt called to do. Um, but I I do say like, even during that Sunday service, I felt very led to looping in you and Mandy. Mm-hmm. Um, And I don't know why you guys were placed in my heart. I even told Tyler when we were driving to that meeting to meet with you guys, I'm like, this is kind of weird, right? Like, do Mm. people actually just like meet with their (laughs) pastors to just share something like this? Like, we're not trying to get anything out of it. Maybe they'll pray over us, but like, it just felt like you guys were supposed to be a part of it. So having a conversation with you both um, just felt a part of it too, Mm -hmm. of what we were supposed to do.
1: Uh, So with you guys adopting a newborn, there's also some pretty unique parts of the process. And uh, one of those is a profile book. Uh, Why don't you share with us a little bit about what that is?
2: Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that we'll begin presenting uh, Mm -hmm. to birth mothers soon. And that basically means um, that any cases that we say yes to after we're told a little bit more about each situation on a case-by-case basis, um, then our profile book would be presented uh, to the birth mother to look through. Mm-hmm. She might have two of these to look through, or like 25. I don't, I don't actually know. But um, this book contains our whole heart, basically. Um, it goes through our promises to the birth mother wow. to remain a part of their child's life. Um, this would be an open adoption as well. Wow. Um, it talks about our promise that our child will know their story and be proud of their story. and um, it talks about having God as a central figure in the child's life. Kind of anything from our mission as parents, our dreams as parents, who we are as people um, is in this book for the birth mom to be able to see.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, And it's just so cool too, for that birth mom to know what kind of family mm-hmm. yeah. um, she, she's gonna open up the doorway for. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's a very, very, very beautiful thing. Uh, on top of these, the steps, the practical steps, there's also the the large financial undertaking. Tyler, um, what is the the financial part of this? What is the range of what you guys are looking at?
3: Yeah, so it's kind of a big range. Um, It can, with a newborn, it's kind of starts around 60,000. It can go all the way up to 100,000. And the money that we are are getting for that um, also pays for a lot of things. It pays for agency fees, it pays for attorney fees, um, and one of the cool things is it pays for the birth mother's uh, medical
1: expenses, um, which is really cool. It is very cool. Yeah. That's, a, that's a large, large, large undertaking mm-hmm. for, an, for an adoption. And when you guys came in and shared your story, you came in with no strings attached and, and felt like God leading you. When you left, that, uh, like I said, Mandy and I felt like this is something we really wanna partner with. Um, so today, what, what we want to do, and you guys have already uh, been raising money toward this for sure, uh, working so hard. We believe so strongly in the sanctity of life, not only in the womb, But all through life, we believe in the picture of what adoption is, Mm -hmm. what it is physically, the future of this child you'll adopt, but also the the image, the word picture that is for salvation, all of us being adopted into the family of God. Um, It's a beautiful thing. So today we want to tell you and announce to our congregation that we're starting a part of our Heart for the House offering to be able to step in and help cover the expenses um, that you guys have left for your adoption. We believe that this baby is gonna be a blessing to your family. We also believe this baby is gonna be a blessing to our church family. Mm -hmm. Um, And we believe God's hand is on this baby. God's hand is on your family. Um, And we are thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to know that God's called you to do this. And we're proud um, of of just us being able to be a small, small, small part. So thank you guys so much.
0: Amen. So incredible. We wanna close the service today with praying over Tyler and Marley. Will you join me on stage? Can you give them a hand as they come? And also their little boy, Knox, is gonna join us. He's a little miracle baby, and so isn't he adorable? What a little man of God you are. So sweet. What an incredible family, and um, we know that God trusts you guys with this, and so we're just proud to stand with you. But would you do that with me, We stand today? We're gonna pray over this whole entire process. And uh, we just believe that, that God has great things in store. I mentioned earlier, our our core value, or our vision statement says, restoring hope and purpose to every person, and we believe that this child, this baby, has purpose and destiny, and so we just wanna believe God to just, every step of the way, his hand is on it. Will you stretch your hands this way, and let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for Tyler and Marley and Knox. What a beautiful family. Thank you, Lord, you've been preparing them for this moment, and God, I pray that you would just begin to prepare the hearts of the birth mother, of the baby, Lord, that every step of the way, Lord, that you would just have your hand on them. I pray, Lord, for the legal side of things that everything would just flow smoothly and is exactly how you want it to. And Lord, I just pray for this child, God, that you would help him, Lord, to find his purpose and destiny in this house. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just um, have all of us be committed to this family. We will surround them. We will support them, Lord. And God, I pray, Lord, that we will see an amazing, amazing man or woman of God grow up in their home because of their willingness to say yes to investing in the next generation on a whole nother level. We love you, Lord, and we're so grateful. We give this family and this entire family.